Welcome to the No-Till Farmer Influencers and Innovators Podcast, brought to you by Source by Sound Agriculture. I'm McCain Vogel, Assistant Editor of No-Till Farmer. In this episode of the No-Till Farmer Influencers and Innovators Podcast, Frank Lesseter chats with longtime southeastern Wisconsin no-tiller Bob Waldermuth and his wife, Anita, about their early days of adopting no-till, Bob's advice for cutting input costs, the 20-plus national no-tillage conferences that Bob and Anita have attended, and even Bob's off-season activity of driving trucks all over the country. So, Bob, did you grow up in the Clinton area? Uh, yeah, all my farming years and so on. I was here. Yeah, you bet. How long have you and Anita been farming? Well, we've been here. I've been here since 41 when my father bought the, the other farm where, we, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. We've been married. We've been married. 53 since, years. Yeah, very good. Good thing she's here. I can never remember. There, that's good. What year did you get married? 1970. Right. And we had our anniversary in 1980. And oh, we were okay. married in pandemic, and we had our anniversary in a pandemic. <laughs> well, you're just youngsters. Pam and I have been married. Uh, we got we got married in uh, 1963. Oh. We were just kids. Right, right, right. Yeah. So how many acres are you farming on the home place here or whatever? All together. It's about 245. Uh huh. Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because you haven't—you're not a big-time user, and uh, you've been in no-till. Uh, do you have chances to expand over the years and decide not to do it, or what? We well, and me mostly. I've had chances. There's been uh, land on all way around us that could been added if I sure. really wanted to, but I've not wanted to. Because I figured I'm not doing that growl darn great with what I'm doing. <laughs> so why do I want to make it worse? Right. And right. Uh, that's where that's always been. And <clears throat> we milked cows for a long time, all the time I was growing up. And then we moved over to this farm where I'm at, which isn't that far away from the other one. I could milk about twice as many. And uh, <sighs> so, of course, things went along and time went on. And I kept, I finally told my father, you know, the milk inspector is really going to get old with that cement we got outside the barn. It's supposed to be in good shape. I said, this about had it. Yeah. And I said, and we got some other difficulties around here, which we need to know work. And uh, I knew at that time, that was a lot of years ago, it'd be 50,000 bucks at least to straighten things out any kind of way. Sure. And uh, wasn't really interested because I knew what they'd say at the PCA. Well, my goodness, you need to milk more cows to pay for this. Sure. And I had no use for that. Yeah. So before long, we quit milking and just fed steers for and two farms for a while. We usually have about at least a hundred going for a while. And uh, then one winter, my father says, "You know, you ought to come down here." At that time, well, they had had a house down in Florida for over twenty years, the Funiac Springs, mm-hmm. and uh, said, "You ought to come down here over the holidays." Oh, geez, got to feed the cattle. I got to find somebody. Well, shucks. I thought more about it and ended up called up or uh, just ended up taking the livestock what I had left, which were about 20. And there were a few that I should not have sold right away. I should have sold for uh, weren't quite big enough. But otherwise, I'd been feeding 
the steers shell corn. Mm-hmm. And once the bellies get used to it, uh, it turns into be a darn good-looking animal. Yeah. And uh, once in a while, a little hay, mostly shelled corn. And uh, so I had some Holsteins that went prime. Wow, that don't happen. <laughs> well, I right. thought when it got back, we'll do it all over again. Got back, the price of livestock went down. <laughs> the, the farmer. And I said, well, <sighs> maybe not. But we never did after that. We've just been corn and beans. And that's probably been... 25 years at least and uh yeah about that and uh all just corn and beans and and uh her teaching school and and uh it's not been that great some years like everybody's but uh last two years uh with the kind of some help of new uh genetics and everything um and then the fact that i kind of like this agri solutions Low salt fertilizer, which uh, I put in right when I'm planting, right on sure. the seed. And uh, I used to just do what they said, which was about six gallons to the acre. But it seemed like towards the end of the season, it was dying out. I'm not dying out. Can't, the, product, uh, the stalks just looked like maybe they needed a little more. Uh-huh. So I just jumped to it, and heck, I went up to 10 gallons. <laughs> not supposed to do that. But I did, and it's worked. Good. And uh, that and the uh, help from the local DeLong company people and so on, now I'm up to where I, to last two years, I over 200 bushel the acre corn. That's, that's, that's something great. I can't believe that. I can't right. believe that yet. Right. But uh sure helps to pay the bills. And these kind of bills are just seems like they get larger both in the last two years also. And, right. And, uh, Yeah, go ahead. I'm kind of like you. I grew up on a dairy farm north of Detroit, about 40 miles, and I think that milking cows and lugging hay bales is what made me an ag journalist. And as my dad once said to me, (laughs) you just decided it was easier to tell others how to farm than to do it yourself. So I think there's probably some truth in that. You're as old as I am. We're both in our 80s. I like to refer to myself as being as old as dirt. But you've you've probably seen it all. You probably ended it started out moldboard plowing, and they went to minimum tillage, and ended up with no till, right? I kind of went that way, although I did quite a jump. Uh, I just got disgusted with with working in soybean ground. Yeah, it looked pretty. Oh, ain't that nice? All out there, nice and black and level, or at least mostly level usually. Sure. And uh, but I said, this is silly. This ground is soft to begin with. What are we doing this for? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a really great corn finer then, but uh, it kind of worked. And then after that, I after going to a few things with my father and the University of Wisconsin stuff, well, they're using an Alice Chalmers platter and for no-till, son of sure. a gun. So I poked around and ran onto one and uh, went from a four-row to a six-row, in fact. And as that went on, and uh, I, I this is this is working, especially on the soybean ground. Mm-hmm. This this is working good. It's growing all right, but the planter sure seems a little stupid. And I'm hearing about all these picket fence uh, rows and and planting and so on. This thing sure ain't doing it. <laughs> and then I learned out how or why because it was the way the planter is made inside mm-hmm. where the pl- seed drops down. It hits a it hits the uh, casting, 
inside there. Well, for God, the seed's not going straight through. So some of them are close together, some of them are spread out. And uh, so it took a while, and I finally got a John Deere. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one I've got now, uh, yeah, I keep looking at the at the uh, tools and the things that I could add at uh, the no-till shows and and thinking about it, and I'm still not sure 100% I want to spend money for any extra things because I'm getting picket fence stands. Uh, maybe there's something I could improve. That's what I keep thinking. That's what yeah. I keep telling myself. There has to be because they're selling this stuff. And it must be working. Right. But uh, uh, I haven't done any of that. I've just been using what came with the planter, and it's been working pretty good. So I've been doing that. And uh, as I as I like to say with this whole thing, I guess anyway, I say it's an old old adage, but the kiss principle. Keep things simple as you can, and uh, when you're using quality seed and good fertilizer placed right and good rain, if if, if it's possible, uh, you can still get over 200 bushel of the acre, apparently, because I did it two years right. now. <laughs> so your John Deere planter, what model is it and how old is it? Uh, gosh, it's got to be a dozen years old at least. It's mm-hmm. the 1780, 1780 is a John Deere six row. Okay, right. And, what, uh, what row I was it? I have a 30 inch. 30 okay, inch. gotcha. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Use this to plant soybeans too? So I can, you know, watch what's going on. But the only, there's several things you can do. But the main thing I want to know is the population, how much population I'm putting on. And that's basically what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, it, it seems to be pretty good. Okay, different seed. You get different seed, and it'll go from 31, 32 to maybe another seed product. It'll get up to 35. That's 1,000. Yeah, and right. uh, I'll run along with it. And then, well, I can't say that's hurt me any. Right. I'm still getting decent yields, and the hybrids, I think, can take it. Mm-hmm. I think they're able to take it. So... I'm not concerned. It would be nice if the different hybrids would be the same, but they're not. I've changed the adjustments a little bit, but generally they are too much either way. So I kind of hate to mess with them. And uh, I don't mess with, as I said, I don't mess with the fertilizer a whole lot since I got that about 10, 11 gallons per acre area. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I keep the nut pretty tight on that adjustment. And, are you uh, uh, are you fertilizing other than with the planter? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. The local fellas here in town in Clinton, they, they in fact they've got the last soil test that I have. I don't think I even have a copy, but uh, they look at it real close. And uh, uh, this will pass fall. Now that's another thing. Two years, I have put the spring. Lay down or whatever you want to use to call it, plow down. I don't like that idea. Fertilizer on, and uh, but they've done it in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not very happy with that idea. I've got really hills, not really bad, but I do have hills, so I always worry about it. Well, this year was great. Any rains we had this fall, uh, it wasn't any toad stranglers with it. Yeah. And uh, last year apparently it wasn't too bad either because it worked. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had the water checked with an outfit up at the university uh, 
in, um, oh gosh, what is it? Anyway, it doesn't really show much of any fertilizer runoff. Good. And uh, so that's good. But they did that. And uh, so that was on first. That did that now two falls. And uh, uh, by golly, that seems to, well, actually, this is the third one coming up. And uh, they did it here in uh, December after I finally got everything off. And uh, uh, I had some, had one field with a farm and the farm at the other farm where I grew up is, has some fields that are always bugger. They just try to wash on me and it kicked me off. <laughs> the point I would think about put the whole darn farm into alfalfa if there was enough people around here milking cows or feeding cattle that needed it, but there aren't. Right. But uh, so I haven't done it. And I said to our, the, the uh, uh, farm uh, service agency, what do you think about terraces? And, okay, that wouldn't be a bad idea. So I put one in last, uh, that would be last November, I think it was. And a year ago, last November, I mean, this past November, and then this past spring, they did two more. Now, they're not real big, but they had things to do, and the weather had to work around the weather. And uh, I was planting as they were finishing up, and that took to be uh, the last of April before I finished planting. Sure. And uh, it... Uh, but or not the last middle April, yeah, middle April. Then I got done. So anyway, that got that was a little bit higher moisture was where I was going when I combined it. But still, it was uh, around uh, let's see, 21, I think 2021. 20, so it had come down a lot with that fall we had. We've been lucky that way. What last three falls, something like that, and it sure. really dried off. And uh, I try to take advantage of that. I'm try to get. At it, but I just don't like to. With soybeans, I don't like taking any green beans to town. I think that's stupid. But there's guys that do it every year. Yeah. And uh, uh, I usually wait just a little longer. Okay, then maybe I lose on the other end. They get too dry. This last year they did. Not every year. Last year they did. And uh, you just have to work around all this stuff. Your comment about terraces reminds me of uh, way back in the 70s. There was a Soil Conservation Service agronomist at the time, which is now NRCS, but in north of Indianapolis someplace, and he made the comment that at the rate we're going with sod waterways and terraces, it would take us 100 years to get everything under control, or we could no-till and get it done in two years. So, <laughs> that guy's got brain. <laughs> right. Definitely difference to a certain extent. I can sure see that. I've always done it. I mean, I can see it, especially on the other farm there. But now I got the terraces to go with the no-till. Yeah. Right. And uh, it was kind of fun when I was planting, as he was trying to finish up with the leveling off the area and around the terraces. I kept working a little bit here, a little bit there. Time I got done on both of them, I had my short rows in the middle. <laughs> that was great. It was crazy when I came to combine. So you talked <laughs> about the, you, you talked about the Alice Chambers no-till planter. When is it, when did you start no-tilling? What year was it? Good question. Probably before I retired, and that was ninety-eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you were probably three years, four years. Oh, I'd say yeah, probably about ninety-five, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a while. So you've been no-till all all the way since then. 
there was like everybody a year or two and my father I had worked with him and he wasn't so sure it was a great idea on sure. the ground that uh, uh, hadn't that wasn't open you know that still had a lot of stocks up on top but uh, and it also helped with the better the planter the the the, uh, the the last Alice had great big old opener discs I forget the di- diameter now but they were big and uh, it just cut through everything and didn't seem to care. Yeah. Which is the same way my John Deere one seems to work. I yeah. talked to a guy that mentioned there are a couple of them in the circle thing there on John Deere. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to paint what he had any other ideas. And a couple of guys, I think they came together and said, oh, we don't even have those openers anymore. We don't need them. Yeah. Oh, well, I hadn't tried that yet. <laughs> I still had them out there in front. Yeah. And I think I need, especially this next year, I didn't have the, the, uh, the uh, chopper on the back of the combine. I didn't have the uh, teeth sticking out for quite a while until I remembered it. And uh, that makes quite a bit of time. It ain't exactly a Kelmer carpet time it's done. It does help to make them a lot smaller. Sure. And uh, so we'll see how that all goes, but I think it'll be okay. I can work through it. Let's talk about soybeans. Yeah. I was just going to mention that the one thing I'd, I have always tried to do, except this last year, because <laughs> Soybean Association <laughs> needed some ground for plots. Mm-hmm. I, okay. So the guy came out. He's a farmer north of Clinton. He came out with his uh, eight-row planter, I believe it was, and he planted it all in 30-inch rows. Well, I'd given up on that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? Plant your beans. Well, yeah, okay. What would you think it'd be worth? Well, it wasn't a bad price. Go ahead. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to do that again. <laughs> I've never used so many, replaced guards so many in my life. Yeah. Only I can figure there was just too much old corn stubble and other stuff that was getting in the way in certain places. But generally, there was quite a bit in the same place. Mm-hmm. And the guards would just break. And uh, I'm not going to do that again. Well, I do. And have been doing. I have a, oh boy, I can't even think of the name of the no-till drill I got. But anyway, uh, I try wherever I can to go on a slight diagonal to the corn rows when I plant. Sure. Mm-hmm. I go straight. I go on a diagonal. I like that a lot better. And I also always had a, a fixed drag. You know what I mean? A fixed drag? Yeah. You have yeah. To li- it's mounted on there and you lift it up and down with a cable when you're going from wherever. And, uh, I really need to get new drags. Uh, what, it was, it's made with chain deal. One side, it, <clears throat> it, it hangs pretty uh, pretty level and not too uh, strong. You flip them over the other side, and it, it's made for really rooting. And uh, I think either way, it wouldn't be too bad anymore. It's, it's really worn out on that one side. Mm-hmm. But it does help a lot when you're going crossways, and the, and the drill does a halfway decent job of loosening up corn roots and stuff but then they're kind of laying there so that but the drag kind of exposes them really and uh they don't bother much when you come to combining sure and uh your field is is somewhat more level too it does make a difference uh, yeah. the drag isn't strong it's not a big rugged thing but it it rolls along there and the and the openers and so on on the drill loosen it up a bit and and uh, it makes a big difference. I like that better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to it. This last year, the tractor that I had using it, I took it to a guy with the drill and said, you know, I'm 
you're better on it than me. There's a lot of bearings on the, all these damn openers, and there's a few that are shot. So we replaced all of them for me, and had the whole month of March he had it. And I took the track to it, and he says, hey, you know, your tractor, that clutch isn't so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of wondering about that. Free play is pretty thin. So he tried to replace that. Well, the time I got done, I spent, I don't know, 5000 bucks there, I think. And uh, But I got both of them fixed, and I didn't get 20 hours on the drill or the tractor, either one. Yeah. This Talk about saving money. <laughs> the other way around, <laughs> the last fall, uh, the fall when I was finishing combining, I had the tank pretty full, and spring came along, and I had enough diesel fuel. I didn't have to buy any this last fall, or this last spring. Wow. I planted my beans, and when I planted my 100 and, well, about 130 acres of corn, the uh, I got by without buying any diesel fuel. That's great. It's just savings all over the place, you know, if you work yeah. at it. <laughs> so uh, your your drill, you're probably putting it down, uh, putting down be- soybeans maybe in seven and a half inch rows. What plant population would you they're use? About, yeah, they're about eight and a half, I think. Closer. Okay, good. But uh, uh, the amount per acre is, it's over 100,000, I know that. Mm-hmm. 125, maybe, something like that. And... Uh, I often think when I come to because I'm planting corners or uh, diag or you know on angle sure. that I generally am lifting the drill uh, when one side of the drill is in what I've already planted it planted as end rows so it's always heavier when I come along with the combine mm-hmm. but you know the thing that surprises me every year normally every year. Those where it's doubled up like that, they are taller. Okay, what the heck caused that? Yeah, they maybe they had to fight more for sunlight. I don't know, mm-hmm. but they're taller. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if I'm really hurting or not for my yield by planting in that. And then, of course, the other side of the drill, if nothing else, I leave it just so I know where the heck to come sometimes when I come back if I'm trying to get in a certain uh, section. Uh, it's not quite up to where I planted on the end rows, but that's mm-hmm. okay. It's usually not that much, and, uh, but uh, I like to do it that way. It just seems like it's, but I can't do it in all my fields. Now that I got this, those dumb terraces, now I'm probably not going to be able to do it quite as often over there at that farm. Yeah, but uh, we'll see how that works. Now that I get a chance this next year. We'll come back to the episode in a moment. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Source by Sound Agriculture, for supporting today's podcast. Source by Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nitrogen and phosphorus in your fields so you can rely less on expensive fertilizer. This foliar application has a low use rate and you can mix it right into your tank. Check out Source. It's like caffeine for microbes. Learn more at sound.ag. Now, let's get back to the conversation. What are you doing for fertilizer on no-till soybeans? I can't give you the exact analysis or anything. The I don't remember exactly, but it's it's a it's a kind of a light duty fertilizer mm-hmm. that uh, I guess it's helped a little bit. I you know I was up to over fifty bushels the acre this year, and uh, uh, yeah, way, well, partly a a lot more than I could have believed, especially in those plots. Mm-hmm. Some of those plots were over sixty, 
I thought, well, they must doing that. You've got to be kidding. How'd that happen? Yeah. But uh, that was pretty good sized plot. I had a corn plot this year too. All of this was with uh, people from DeLong's and uh, mm-hmm. as I say, the Soybean Association was of the state. I don't know why they didn't plant it closer to the, a big highway or something, but they couldn't seem to find any room ground to do it. And I said, sure, I don't care. What the heck? Put it right. over there where I had corn. Good right. land up there. You look to me like you're somebody that really watches your costs. You don't have a big operation. Uh, it looks to me like you got low machinery value because you keep running tractors and combines and planters and drills and for many years. That's pretty true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you better believe it. Combine's a 9,500. I can mm-hmm. spend a lot of money on that without any trouble. Yeah. John Deere. Couple of spring, couple of years. This would be two years ago now, when I was finishing service or near well, three quarters of the way through. I got one big field south of my buildings here, and the fellow that was living in the other house, he just loved to go out and run stuff. Always mm. said he can't afford to be a farmer himself. He worked for DeLong's, still is, but uh, he was here for five years growing his family and all. But he still likes to come back and run the combine. And, and one year he planted all my soybeans. He thought mm-hmm. that was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he went out there the Sunday morning, and he said, hey, Bob, he calls back, something ain't right. Said, what the heck? Better come look. Oh, no. The Danton Combine, well, it's a three-corner deal, so where I stop and emptied it into the truck is quite a ways from the actual crop itself. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, sure enough, the damn thing had tried to burn itself up overnight. He didn't mm-hmm. make it. Yeah. It burned up his about a 10 by 10 place on, uh, underneath the combine, but there's nothing there but stubble and no wind or anything, so it didn't go anywhere, but it sure screwed up the combine. Oh. I think I, I think it was about 19000 or something like that. Yeah. Fix it and get it going again. And uh, insurance paid for all but about, I don't know, 3500 or something like that. They would have, I bugged them a bit. Well, you don't have a new combine. It's gold. Mm-hmm. Well, gee, prices are the same. But anyway, right. paid for most of it, but it's been it's working since. It's okay. Got it fixed. John Deere guys work real hard. Had to put all new wiring underneath there. The whole dog got main wires that go to the cab and everything, everything melded, you know. Yeah. And put in a new feeder uh, house chain, the chain that goes from the the uh, head to the rotors or the mm-hmm. rotors. They don't have rotors, but anyway, that chain and. Uh, Several pieces of uh, sheet metal here and there. Well, you can just imagine. Then the windshield, I thought it was wrecked, but it was just dirtier now. (laughs) Yeah, but everything was just, it got hot enough, and then it just cooked itself out. But I mean, uh, otherwise, it's been a good combine, and uh, uh, just have those things that go goofy. Right. And, uh, but uh, it's been all right. Otherwise, yeah, I, that's for sure. That's a note that I put to myself, too, to mention that I <laughs> I try to keep the cost down, for sure. Right. Well, I talked a couple of weeks ago at the no-till conference in St. Louis. I talked to John Ashelman, who farms in uh, eastern Washington in the Palouse area, and they, he and his son yeah. had just he and his son had just priced a new combine. And it would be in those areas because there's steep slopes. It would be a self-leveling combine, so that's an extra eighty thousand dollars or so. But anyway, they priced the combine. It was one point two million dollars was what it was going to cost them, and they uh, 
decided they found they found a one year old combine instead. So, but here you are with one combine, one point two million, unbelievable. I know it. I got one thing I noticed this year. You mentioned that, and I hadn't really paid that much attention. But other guys were finishing up. Some of the big guys even were sure. Done. And uh, on the road, I saw a combine or two up around Janesville and heading towards uh, the John Deere dealer out there mm-hmm. east. Yeah. And uh, then when I was there getting stuff, my God, what these guys, oh, they're done already. They just bring them in. And this year, we're getting even more of them because the guys are a little farther ahead. Right. Bring any, <laughs> four guys are coming in and to get us to uh, go over their combines and uh, make sure they're in good shape for next year. Right. And uh, when I was talking to a fella here not long ago, he had a brand new John Deere. He, I don't know what he's got, 2,500 acres, something like that. And it's all, nearly all grain. He doesn't have any cattle problem. But uh, he figures to get a new combine every year. Well, he couldn't get it this year. Mm-hmm. He had to actually run his old combine for another year. Terrible yeah. situation. Right. And uh, I guess uh, now that the season's all over, from what I heard, he got his combine now. He's not so sure he wants it <laughs> after he found the cost. Right, but, right. Uh, uh, but there's well, you, more, than you, a, more than him to do that. Yeah. They fix on trading every year. Right. Well, you've got a limited acreage with 240 or so acres. Uh no till's been good to you. You don't have to hire any outside labor. Probably you've cut your costs. What do you think no till's worth per acre in value to you? Extra value. Oh man. Oh gosh. And with all the income changes and everything, it's real hard to guess. Mm-hmm. I bet you. I don't know. Would I be wrong in saying 150 bucks at least? No, no, it's all over the place. Some people say seventy. Some people that. say two, some people say two hundred. I think you're in the ballpark, and uh, with your operation, it's you're you're it's probably a good guess on your part. I mean, this is a different kind of year, you know, with the with the the per bushel. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Income. And I didn't. Uh, <laughs> they talked me into selling a little ahead. I didn't really want to. I just keep thinking, feel like take the chance. But I right. finally sold a thousand bushel of corn, and a little bit later, a thousand bushel of soybeans. Here, back when it was growing good and looking good, mm-hmm. and shoot, I beat those prices on <laughs> pretty damn easy. On <laughs> right. to have any, and it's all sold. In fact, uh, the DeLong company—I didn't think they'd take it, but they did. They said that I could not get paid for the beans or the corn till. Mm-hmm. The first of January, if I want. Sure. I said, "Yeah, I sure right. do." Right, <laughs> right. So let's talk about the National No Tillage Conference. You and Anita have been to a number of them. How many uh, of our conferences do you think you've been to? Well, the uh, tag that I put on that you gave me that I put on my hello thing was twenty-five this year. Wow, that's I'm, great. I'm in twenty-one or twenty-two. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Out of thirty-one, you've made twenty-five of them. Um, you're kind of a low acreage farmer, you know. Somebody'd say, "Why do you go to the no-till conference? What are you going to get out of it?" Every year, there's something. You just can't. If you'd have to have your ears plugged and not <laughs> going if there wasn't something, yeah. Uh, whether it's uh, to do with uh, the depth of planting, 
And then, of course, this landed last year and this year. <laughs> Kilmer brought up that thing about uh, the uh, where the fertilizer goes. Sure, the deep, the stratification, goes. right. Yeah, stratification. Well, that drove me crazy <laughs> about it, but I didn't do anything about it. Yeah. But uh, I, I think still that, as a few guys are, well, golly, we're still getting crop uh, improvements. It must be working. You look at the dig out the dig out a plant. Look at it. Where's all the roots? The big bushy roots. Right. Well, they're not four feet down. They're right there. Yeah. In that six inches or so. So I'm, I don't know. I still think that we're getting a heck of a lot of use out of that fertilizer. Maybe uh, if you've been feeding cattle all these years and years, well, that and dumping manure, well, that stuff is a little different after all these years when you've been really piling it out there. It's obvious. That, heck, I can still see just a wee bit on a couple of farm places where, man, that dead gum stuff looks different. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been a long time. I don't know how it can happen. Uh, it, there's a big difference if you got, uh, if you do have cow manure and, and pigs. And I got, there's a couple of guys around me. One of them has been to uh, three, four, at least no-till guys. Gary Summers here. Mm-hmm. He's uh, two years now, last year. And then again, this year, he's gotten that guy from over, North of you there, that's got way over, I don't know how many chickens, but he can't find a place to go with the manure. Oh, yeah. So he's okay. built up a business, and uh, the guy comes, and they spend, they have a semi-dump trailer, and they'll dump whatever they need on a certain field and or what they think they want. And then the guy comes around going to all the different places. He's got one of these Italian tractors that goes about 35 miles an hour or whatever down the road. And okay. uh, they uh, come out and... And he has a pickup, so the two guys have to show up for a while anyway, because he has to get the pickup for the guy so he can go home. Yeah. And uh, they pull that down, and uh, manure spreader, which is a big son of a gun, and uh, it don't take long at all to haul off all three, four semi loads, whatever. And I haven't been able to get back what they if they really feel it's of a big value or not, but. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems to be a interesting proposition that's going on with at least a couple of guys here, right. and uh, I still haven't got to him. Gary Summers, who's come to several conventions, he keeps running off with his wife to some place to visit. Africa, yeah, or some, Australia. Yeah, right. Yeah, they've been they've been out looking. Well, he never was married till he was about forty, and uh, maybe more. Yeah, and. Uh, He's been having fun with life now. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Hey, I want to talk yeah. to you for a minute on a little lighter note. Um, one of your uh, off-season sources of income for years was running trucks, and uh, we would have like a NOTO conference in St. Louis, and you would show up in a big truck and uh, go to the NOTO conference and might go on to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and deliver this truck or something. Tell me about yeah. the, what was going well, on with that. That went on for quite a while until I got a hernia here about five years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. That's probably four. And I couldn't after that. It just wasn't 100%. And, sure. Uh, we went to Florida and had a hell of a time. I wasn't really happy down there. I'd go <laughs> take a nap. And, yeah. 
And uh, so I came back, and the guy did some more work, and finally it straightened out. But in the meantime, it took a while, and I got a little older. And my guessing now, that is the reason I never got called back like they said they were going to do was because they, oh, Bob, you're getting older. Well, <laughs> they never wanted to tell me that. Right. But uh, Tell our listeners what you were doing with this trucking. Well, yeah, anybody that knows uh, or sees red, white, and blue trucks delivering shingles and siding and windows and whatever, running around their city and town, it's ABC Supply. Sure. Blight, not only mm-hmm. 10 miles east of me or west of me. Actually, a shade less than 10. And uh, they've got 800 stores in the United States. Well, 800 stores takes one heck of a lot of trucks. Sure. And uh, they, uh, not all of them, were built up from the frame, mm-hmm. make their own, and so on. They just couldn't do it all. There's a place over south of Toledo, which I can't think of the name of. They were, we'd take sometimes the chassis that get delivered in Beloit. Well, darn, now we got to take them to Toledo. So then I'd take a chassis over there. Once mm-hmm. in a while, I'd get take to someplace else. Usually I didn't have that kind of luck, but that's a pretty good payday if yeah. I could do that. But uh, that was what most of them were, is just going somewhere USA. And I mean somewhere. <laughs> it could be either coast. I know one month I remember going to, I think it was uh, Maryland. Uh, and uh, then the other one, I went to out in California, I think it was. And, uh, man, <laughs> that was pretty good pay, too. But still, there's a lot of, a lot of going. Yeah. And uh, But most of them were closer to me. Okay, so I went to New Orleans or Louisville and, and Indianapolis. Uh, put a name on a town. If it had an ABC store, I probably was there sooner yeah. or later. And... Uh, but that's what I was doing in part-time when I wasn't <clears throat> farming around here. I'd be doing that. And uh, it's kind of fun. I have to admit it. It's kind of fun. I miss it. <laughs> when I was growing up north of Detroit, we had a neighbor who had a uh, student, uh, a farmer from Australia stay with them for a year. And just 10 miles south of us is Pontiac, which was General Motors, or uh, GMC truck plant. Sure. And this yep, this guy bet. from Australia would drive these trucks and these chassis like you did across the country, and that was his way of seeing America as an uh, as an Aussie, and uh, it was pretty great. But he said once in a while, in February, when you had a chassis to go and they were driving it and you were sitting on an orange crate, it wasn't too comfortable. <laughs> uh they're no, oh, they're not like that. They wouldn't. Yeah, maybe then that yeah. wasn't fast. You right. can't do that. Got to be put together like any vehicle with right. you know all your seat belts and everything. Right. But, so uh, uh, so you and Anita would take these trips and you would tow tow your car behind the truck. Well, she did a few. No, yeah. I had a I had a I had a Ranger pickup. And okay. I had it rigged up with a with a pretty darn heavy hitch on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that's a pain. You gotta then I'd have to bolt a temporary hitch on the back of the. A hitch and that takes time in both ends yeah. and and towards the end I was uh, quite a few times I got to figuring things out and I could if it was a big place like oh I don't know uh, Atlanta or oh someplace in California or Arizona or wherever where they had Southwest I could ride Southwest back to Chicago mm-hmm. and okay. uh, cheaper 
and then uh, get, ride the red line up to uh, to uh, in town there, and then yeah. get to the Amtrak station. And there's a little cab work to get from the south one there off the red line up to the the other one at the Amtrak <laughs> station, and get Van Gelder bus, and then for thirty bucks, I would get up to or in that neighborhood, yeah. get up to South Point. And then uh, sometimes I had my little pickup there, and then sometimes I'd have to grab another cab and ride up to the up on the hill there where ABC's everything sure. was, and there's pickup waiting. Right. But uh, I found out that it could. Uh, there was times that no, that isn't really worth it, driving that thing and all. And <laughs> then I got a, a lot of time. Better off if I could, I could pick up a flight. Yeah. And so I was doing, I was doing a fair amount of flight and flying for. Yeah. Right. Dumb firing the guy. Yeah, used hey. to these guys. Yeah. How to do them. That's it for this episode of the No-Till Farmer Influencers and Innovators Podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sourced by Sound Agriculture, for helping to make this series possible. You can find more podcasts about no-till topics and strategies at notillfarmer.com slash podcasts. A transcript of this episode will be available there shortly. For our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm McCain Vogel. Thanks for listening. Keep on no-tilling and have a great day.